0: uh, on behalf of Penn I'd also like to thank Kodansha for its support and particularly uh, I'd like to thank Julian Jollis for all her help in organizing this event Uh, I think we're very fortunate to have Haruki Murakami here tonight he informed me in fact that this is his very first public speaking engagement and I mean his very first in his entire life So um, I think we should all feel very lucky. We're going to uh, talk for a while. Uh, At the end of um, something like an hour, uh, we will be taking questions. I believe you all have cards for uh, those questions. And I hope we'll allow time for everybody to get theirs in. Uh, I was in a cab yesterday, thinking about this event, when I happened to pass the marquee of the play Why I Hate Hamlet, which put me on a train of associations having to do with the anxiety of influence and patricide, among other things, and it made me think of the invitation we sent out to all of you, which stated that uh, Mr. Murakami was the successor or the heir to Mishima, a notion, that, it, that is to say Yukio Mishima, or Mishima Yukio, as we say in Japan, uh, a notion which I've seen advanced before in American reviews and articles about Murakami's work, uh, a notion which nicely represents, to put the mildest spin that I can on it, a relative, shall we say, innocence amongst us about recent developments in Japanese fiction. Uh, Haruki Murakami resembles Mishima mainly by virtue of being Japanese <laughs> and being known to us putatively lettered Americans. And after that, the affinities get pretty tenuous. It's a little like saying that Raymond Chandler was the heir of fellow British subject Oscar Wilde. I have no doubt, in fact, uh, after two years of residence in Japan, that someone in Japan has probably said this in print. That is to say, there's probably an article in Japanese about the affinities of Raymond Chandler and Oscar Wilde. But that doesn't really absolve us here of our ignorance of cultural developments in Japan. Mishima, of course, was one of literature's great romantics, a tragedian with a heroic sensibility an intellectual and aesthete, a man steeped in Western letters who nevertheless, toward the end of his life, became a militant Japanese nationalist. Even when he is writing about relatively fantastic subjects like spirit possession and sheep, Haruki Murakami's sensibility is that, I think, of a skeptical realist. His narrator, is inevitably every man, Contemporary Tokyo edition. A kind of 30ish urban male in a low-key white-collar job like advertising or public relations. A somewhat passive fellow who doesn't expect much out of life and takes what comes to him with jaded equanimity. His motto might be no big deal. Like most Japanese The typical Murakami protagonist believes himself to be a man of the middle, I think. The product of, to quote from Mr. Murakami's novel, Norwegian Wood, quote, a regular workaday family, not especially rich, not especially poor. A real run-of-the-mill house, small yard, Toyota Corolla. Remarkable things do tend to befall these anti-heroes of Murakami's fiction. Their girlfriends commit suicide. Their friends turn into sheep. Their favorite elephants disappear into thin air. But they will be damned if they're going to make a big deal out of it. Like the narrators of Raymond Carver's short stories, and I should mention here that, that... Haruki Murakami is Raymond Carver's translator in Japan. They are unremarkable men, less driven by the ethic to succeed and less enmeshed in the powerful webs of family and business and community than most Japanese, living like college students well beyond their college days. And in this, I suspect, may lie some of the tremendous popular appeal of Murakami's novels for Japanese readers. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Norwegian Wood uh, has sold something in the neighborhood of four million copies in, in Japan to date.
1: Two million, in fact. Two million, well. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I actually, he's actually, into uh, Two volumes. So oh, two volumes. <laughs> it's two million.
0: <laughs> is, is there anybody from Kodansha here? Because I, I think this is a little shameless that they told me four million, but... <laughs> So, I take it back, actually, Murakami is really not that popular in Japan, but, <laughs> but I'm going to proceed as if he is. Um, Murakami's protagonists stand just a little apart and aside in a society that commands full participation of its members. It's not easy to be an outsider in Japan, but his people, in their own way, a little bit freer a little bit less entangled than the average Murakami reader, I think. Unlike the student radicals so visible on Japanese campuses, they don't want to destroy the system. They don't want to turn it upside down. They just want to drift along on the fringe of society. Eventually, love or death will intrude on their passivity. But I think this refusal to join the group this muted mutter of non-servium must be tremendously appealing to the contemporary Japanese reader. Which is not to say, in fact, that his work is not in the same way appealing to all of us. But it clearly represents a break from the subject matter of Murakami's immediate predecessors. From, for instance, the bored Aesthetes of Kawabata, the stiff Kansai aristocrats of Tanizaki, or the tortured young man of Mishima. So just to sharpen the point of these rambling remarks, I'd like to begin by asking Mr. Murakami, does he hate Mishima? And if so,
1: why? (laughs) So first of all, um, I have translated some uh, American novels, so uh, you'd expect that I speak English very fluently. But that's not true. So, <laughs> so um, sometimes it takes time to find uh proper words. So, uh, yes, sometimes, so Mr. Sakato would help me to find.
0: I, I oh. should mention, by the way, that uh, Atsumi Sakato is uh, standing by as our translator here, although I'm not sure that Haruki will necessarily need her services, but, but we're very glad to have her here tonight.
1: Yeah, so... um. To be honest with you, so I have not read uh, Mishima's work so much, so many. So, um, so I think I have to say I don't like him. <laughs> so um, there are three great novels in Japan. So um, not so older than mine, but uh, just a little older. Um, Mishima and Abe and uh, Oe. Uh, three of them. And uh, I guess um, Abe is the uh, most favorite novelist of mine. And uh, Mishima is the uh, least favorite of mine. So uh, <coughs> and I think I don't think uh, there is some resemblance between me and Mishima, Mr. Mishima. I don't know why. I don't know. But uh I just don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I um, have to confess,
0: I, I already knew the answer to this question because we we had lunch a couple of years ago, and and I yeah. I happened to m- mention Mishima, and I I, I I saw that you got very upset, and <laughs> uh-huh. so upset. I, d- I don't know if you remember that, but you said I don't like him. So so that was a rhetorical question, but. Yeah. I mean do you think do you think Haruki that yeah. your w- when when you began your career as a writer do you feel that you were in any way in conscious revolt against older Japanese writers like Mishima I mean certainly uh, we're all familiar with the with the with the anxiety of influence and and the notion of of, of patricide among um, younger writers, um, the father must be slayed in order to clear the ground for the for the sons. And I, I, I was wondering if you were conscious of of rebelling, say, against um, an older generation of writers.
1: Um, when I was a teenager, so I found myself that I didn't like uh, Japanese novels so much. So I made up my mind not to read Japanese novels. (laughs) So uh, that's partly because uh, my parents are teachers, and uh, they teach Japanese. So um, I'm one of those rebels. And I decided to read uh, Russian novels. (laughs) 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 So because they, they hadn't read at all. So, <laughs> uh, mm.
0: N- you you also majored in in Greek drama, didn't you, at Waseda University? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um uh, Not especially uh, Greek drama, just drama and uh, movies. Mm-hmm. So, um. would
0: would you say that um, would you say that that foreign uh, and Occidental writers were more important to shaping your idea of what you wanted to write than than your Japanese predecessors
1: mm. so um, I was a teenager in 19, in the 1960s, and um, those times in those, t- those days, uh, American culture is so strong and um, i got uh, very um uh, i was so influenced by the american cultures um music or uh, tv shows or cars and clothes and everything so um it doesn't it didn't mean that uh, it doesn't mean that uh, we worshiped american it means that uh, we uh loved those cultures it was so um shiny and bright so sometimes it's so shiny and bright that uh, it sometimes seem unrealistic or just like a fairy tale so um we loved those fairy tales and um, in those days um only the rich could buy the fairy tale and uh, in those days only america could afford it so we um participated in those fairy tales. So um I was so impressed in those I was uh, thirteen or fourteen, so uh, I was attracted by jazz or rock and roll and um I just loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Um, So, that inflow, the cultural inflow from the States was so uh, massive and so strong that uh, it was sometimes impossible to avoid or ignore that if you had uh, eyes or ears. And um, I was a child. I was the only child. So, uh, I was by myself in my rooms and... uh, I listened to the jazz, and uh, i was
0: so patiently
1: i was uh american t v shows and i read american novels and uh, I was born in i was i was in Kobe when i was a child, so it's a big port city and uh, there are many used bookshops. shops and uh, I could find and those American paperbacks very cheaply and very easy. So it's just like a treasure chest to me. Hmm. Mm. And most of them are hardboard detective stories, um, science fictions, Chandra or Ed McVane or Carver or Spillane. Hmm.
0: No, wait a minute. Carver did not.
1: No, no, Chandra. Oh, Chandler. Chandler. I was going to say
0: Carver didn't exist in Japanese until you (laughs) you translated it. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, um, but uh, when I read uh, Japanese literature, they are so different from them. So, um, I was not impressed by them at all. And uh, it's a kind of. uh, small window. So you looked at uh, the very foreign landscapes through that window, the small window on the wall of your room. It's just like a fairy tale. And I believed it.
0: Yeah. Well, well now now we know that the the fairy tale situation kind of goes the other way, because the Japanese are the only ones who can afford to live in fairy tales. But, um, I I should mention, um, it's it's certainly intriguing to me, having spent a number of years in Japan and having spent a lot of time in, um, coffee shops and bars, that specialized in particular, um, types of Western music. Uh, For instance, in Kyoto, where I spent most of my time, there was a, there was one, um, there was one cafe that only played the music of the Beatles which is not quite so extraordinary. There was another one that only, that called LA Sounds, that only played the music of the Eagles and Jackson Brown as far as I could determine. Um, I myself didn't know a thing about blues until I went to Japan and, and subsequently became a, a a blues fanatic because I spent a lot of time in a bar where they played nothing else and they had a they have a lot of recordings to this date over there that haven't been released here in the States. Murakami um, um, was, was um, the manager, if I'm not mistaken, of a, of oh. a jazz bar, uh, of the owner, okay, yeah. <laughs> of a jazz bar in um, in Tokyo from, what was it, like 73
1: to? 73. Yeah, for yeah. seven years. Yeah.
0: Well, it seems to me um, interesting. Um, you, you may disagree with me in a moment, but. I think that there are general characteristics that, that define a younger generation of Japanese writers, uh, Haruki Murakami being perhaps the only one that, that many of us would be very familiar with. Um, but I'm thinking of the writers who were born after the war, really. Um, and I'm thinking of their international frame of reference, which you've started to talk about. It seems to me that you're quite unselfconscious about Western culture. Um, high culture and low culture in a way that your predecessors are not. Um, in in Tanizaki, for instance, a reference to Western music or Western dress is always um, you can you can hear the bass drums in the background whenever someone is wearing Western clothes. It's it's fraught with ominous implications of cultural pollution and miscegenation and. Um, uh, In Murakami's work, and in the work of of other writers of his generation, I'm thinking of, uh, for instance, Banana Yoshimoto. And I think just the name um, should be suggestive for those of you who don't know her work, as well as, say, Kyoji uh, Kobayashi or uh, Ryu Murakami, who is no relation relation. to Haruki Murakami. in, in, in the work of these younger writers, a reference to, say, Rossini's La Gaza Ladra or to the Beatles' She Came In Through the Bathroom Window is, is, is really just background. Um, you all seem to draw to some extent on the lingua franca of world pop culture, uh, as well as European high culture. Um, perhaps even more conspicuously than younger American writers. Um, I, I think to this day there's still a there's still a certain self-consciousness that that, um, that that serious American writers face in deciding how topical to be about say movies, television rock and roll um, influences which pervade our entire culture but which still seem a little, oh, anomalous to those who see themselves as the guardians of high culture. In fact, I don't see this self-consciousness in the younger uh, generation of Japanese writers. Um, in fact, so many of these writers um, uh, write, write, Fiction, which is studded with references to what we would consider to be Western culture. Um, and I wonder if this is in part due, paradoxically, to the island sense of isolation and difference that the Japanese have always felt. I sort of sense a poignant urge to roll over Busan and Basho and to crash through the cultural gap which separates Japan to some extent with from the rest of the world with the weapons that are most ready to hand. Um, it seems to me that Madison Avenue and Hollywood and rock and roll have provided a kind of reservoir of, 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 of cultural reference. Um, uh, a sort of debased version of the Greek myths, if you will, um, which provides Japanese writers with, with a way to assert their the, the scope of their concerns, to assert their their presence on the international scene. Um, in Norwegian Wood, for instance, which is is, is Murakami's um, beautiful and, and, and very popular novel, um, I find besides The Beatles, uh, the title of course, uh, references to Fitzgerald and Hemingway and Salinger and Chandler and half a dozen other Western writers and i only found one japanese cultural reference in the whole book which uh, was osamu dazai something of a rebel himself in the wind-up bird and tuesday's woman a story that was published in the new yorker a couple of years ago um, your protagonist cooks spaghetti for breakfast oh, yes. yeah and he um lunch, and then he eats at mcdonald's for lunch oh, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. remember that he listens to verdi Mm-hmm. in the morning and Robert Plant a little later yeah. and he reads Len Dayton It's too much <laughs> Yeah? No, see, it keeps going I can, I can go on forever I'm, I'm giving I'm giving you all a break here and he talks with his wife about T.S. Eliot mm-hmm. and you know it's really interesting that if you changed a couple of names in the story yeah. that the names of the neighbors are Japanese but otherwise the story I think could take place in New York uh-huh. or in San Francisco Yeah, you know? And i'm wondering if I'm right about the fact that, that this is not that particu- this is not really a self conscious strategy on your part, but at the same time it separates you from certainly from an earlier generation of japanese mm-hmm. writers yeah. and um, I wonder if you see these same elements in the work of your contemporaries. I mean, is there, mm-hmm. a, is there a common program that you have with some of your contemporaries? That's that's a really big question, well, and now I probably yeah. won't have
1: to talk for a while. So yeah. mm-hmm. so, um, so when I was a teenager, I wanted to write a uh, novel in English. Mm. So it seemed to me it was easier to write than write in Japanese, because... Um, American novels are uh, so um, familiar to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and um, I believed that, um, I had believed that uh, it is impossible for me to write a novel in Japanese until I mm-hmm. was 29 years old. 29? <laughs> <laughs> <29. laughs> yeah. So uh, then, suddenly, uh, one day, I got feeling that I could write in Japanese, so it took 29 years to that day. So um, you, you told me that uh, some of my contemporaries or uh, colleagues are making up a new kind of uh, Japanese language.
0: Well I think I, I think I'm talking about a, a set of of, of Concerns and a type of
1: um, yeah
0: a, a type of literature which yeah. which is not exactly derived from yeah. traditional Japanese models. Then
1: yeah. do you think so? So um, there are two factors for a new writing: the materials and uh, the language. So um, yeah, I think it is important to make up a new kind of language if you want to talk a new thing. So uh, it is the most important thing for the writer. If you want to talk something new, if you find uh, some new kind of language of yourself. So um, I have learned a lot from the American literature, or American culture. So. You named Tanizaki. So uh, he was also a translator. He he translated some English books into uh, Japanese. So uh, he knew very well from the the uh, English. But uh, I think he didn't learn from uh, Mm. English at all. No, I don't
0: think so.
1: Yeah, so uh, mm. he wrote about in some articles that uh, Japanese language is completely different from uh, English or Western languages. And uh, he tells that um, Japanese language is very special and uh, peculiar and um, superior sometimes to uh, Western languages. He's a kind of Mm. as i tol- as you told me and um there is a big gap between them but um and uh, he says that um, that kind of beauty should be preserved very um carefully so um He's a kind of nationalist in that sense. Yeah. He's a very uh, prominent novelist and uh, great man. But uh, I don't agree with him. So, uh, because there is no superiority of one language to other languages, it's not true, it's not right. And
0: but certainly, not only in Japanese literature uh, tanizaki 's remark about the superiority of the Japanese language yeah. is not such an unusual remark in fact in, in j- uh, if 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 you will allow me, it seems to me that um, the Japanese cultural debate is is, is 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 fairly obsessed with the notion of the the, the uniqueness of japan, yes. uh, whether pro or con. Um, Uh, you know, a great deal of learned um, thought and discussion in Japan goes into the question of, is there something unique about the Japanese character, the Japanese language, for that matter, the Japanese bloodline, that um, is uh, incomprehensible, slash, superior, slash, um, unique? And certainly, it's by no means a minority, I think, of people in Japan who feel that there is something special about the Japanese character that that simply doesn't compute um, among other people. Um, uh, that does not cross um, the you know the translation barrier, um, and, and this is often informed by a kind of cultural imperialism, the sense that you know, Japan is is a special place. Um one of the characteristics, it seems to me, of, of your of your work and in and, uh, and of some of, of, of your contemporaries is, is is a kind of rejection of this notion. Um, you mentioned language the, the distinction between language and subject matter and that's that's very important. Um, I cannot read these writers in, in their original language, I'm sorry to say. On the other hand, it seems to me at this point, uh, that that I am fortunate enough as a reader to read uh, your work um, and to feel a certain affinity with 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 your writing, that I also feel for writers from other countries, um, like Martin Amis uh, in England, like Andrea De Carlo in in Italy, um, and it does seem to me that. Um, oddly enough, we do have a fairly common frame of reference. Um, I I mentioned this this reservoir of of sort of international pop culture, Lionel Trilling would say low culture, um, that for better or worse uh, seems to be providing touchstones um, in the the writing of Italian and Swedish and Japanese and, and American writers. And I guess what I've been I guess what I've been angling for is—it um, does seem to me that that perhaps um, Murakami and other writers of his generation may nearly have more in common, uh, despite the, leaving aside the question of of of, of language, uh, with younger writers in this country and in and in England than than perhaps with uh, writers like Mishima and Tanizaki.
1: Yeah, I think uh, um. Many of Japanese people think that uh, Japanese language is so unique and special that uh, any foreigner could not grip its essence, its beauty, or its subtleness. And uh, if some foreigners claims that he grips that essence, so uh, nobody would believe that. <laughs> they would think that uh, he, that foreigner, Um, just holds the surface not its essence so um, they would think that way because um, Japan is a very uh, one race country it's a very homogeneous country so uh, they have not been occupied by other countries except uh, for uh, several years after the World War and um, their culture was not uh, threatened; has been, not been threatened by other um, cultures. So um, it's natural to use uh, Japanese when they are communicating. There is no doubt about it. It's very natural. And at the same time, um, it should not be natural for the foreigners to use that language. And uh, in that sense, uh, Japanese language is very um, has been isolated. They learned a lot from China for a thousand years, but uh, they didn't give almost anything to them and um, they did it for um for uh, ten years uh, in 1930s they um forced uh, to uh, Chinese to use uh, Japanese language but it, it was forced by um military um force so uh it's not a cultural exchange so um <laughs> <laughs> i mean so I, I like to say that um Japanese culture or Japanese language is has been isolated for uh, maybe uh, 2,000 years. And uh, that's why they are so confident about their uniqueness and uh, specialness in its uh, nature, in its structure, in its uh, um, functions. And uh, I think what we are going to what we uh, young writers, young Japanese writers are going to do is to break, to Distract, and break. Yeah. This, uh, their stubbornness. Rebel. Rebel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> their confidence. So, um, because um, you know, as you know, we are producing uh, many cars or TVs, and uh, we are exporting to all over the world. And uh, I have lived in Greek island for a couple of years. Um, it's a very small island. But everybody knows, uh, everybody came to me to talk to me that, um, hey, this is Casio. And uh, yeah, no, no, that's not Casio. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good word. And some other people came to me to say that um, I drive um, Nissan. It's a very good car. So after a week, I was tired of that. <laughs> And uh, I realized that um, that's the only Japanese words they know. That's the only Japanese things they know. Mm -hmm. And um, they do nothing about Japanese culture, or uh, Japanese novels, or Japanese music, or anything like that. So um, I thought that um, we had to do something. We have to break some confidence um, that we have cherished for a long, long time. It's a time to finish it. And um, I think that's what the young Japanese writers are doing is uh, reconstruct our language. So um, because um, we are we are speaking Japanese language and we are writing Japanese language when we write an novel. So, um, but it could be translated into a foreign language. And so they are using uh, some special computer for. Uh, translation these days in Japan, but it's not uh, perfect yet, so uh, they could not be used for uh, translation of uh, novels or uh, poems. But uh, they will be developed in these 10 years or so. So um, things are changing, the hardware is changing. So. Um, if those things change, we should change our notion or our confidence or our language itself, maybe. I think that's what we are doing. So we appreciate the beauty or subtleness of a Japanese language, So which Tanizaki or Mishima used. But uh, those days were gone, I believe. We should do something new. Are you, are you
0: conscious, Haruki, of, of writing for an audience? Are you conscious of writing for um, what you hope is an international audience? Do you think about the, the translatability of what you were writing when you write?
1: Oh yes, in a sense. But um, translatability is not all.
0: I don't think that's a word, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't write it down. Yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> so, um, um, I mean, it's a kind of a neutral space. So. We speak. I speak uh, Japanese. Uh, he speaks. She uh, speaks English. So uh, it's a different kind of word, uh, language. But uh, it's possible to make up uh, some uh, midway place, neutral place. So um,
0: are, are you looking for that place
1: when you write? When you write your sometimes. sometimes? <laughs> yeah, but and just um, should be some place midway place. So. I could go there, so he could come there, come, could come there so uh, and we could exchange our information or anything. Um, but, um, you know, um, the subtleness or uh, uniqueness or beauty of traditional Japanese language, um, mostly, um, it's impossible to translate very faithfully, perfectly. So um, it has been a frustration. So what we are writing, what we are telling, is not be, it's not impossible. It's p- impossible to be translated. So. Uh, but uh, as he, as he, as he said that, uh, my book, my stories um, have been translated into English, and uh, it's very faithful translation, I believe. And uh, American readers, well, foreign readers can read as very uh, as natural. Right?
0: Yeah. No, I've, I've read three of of, of your novels and um, they're they're surprisingly uh, is Alfred Birnbaum translated most of these, these books. Uh, they're they're surprisingly colloquial and um, um, transparent in, in their in their English. That is that is to say, um, they, they they seem, um, for many pages at a time as if they might have been written in English. Um, that is not to say that we might not be losing some of the subtleties of your of your style in Japanese. Um, uh, since I since I don't read Japanese really, um, I'm um, I'm always curious about the uh, and I'm always very hesitant to make comments about. About Japanese writers as as stylists, uh, and I'm very curious to know if if there's still um, if there still exists uh, in writers of your generation a sense of masculine and feminine Japanese mm-hmm. of of the manyoshu or the masculine uh, tradition versus um, um, a kind of a feminine Japanese um, that is that we would know w- that we would um, know best in it. As, as the language of Genji, the Tale of Genji, for instance, or um, a feminine literary language. Um, d- do you find that this distinction still exists? Is this one of the things that you are um, rebelling against? Um, as, as
1: no, it's difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult because uh, uh, in Japan, so we, uh, we speak in uh, different ways between women and men. So uh that's what Tanizaki uh, claims uh, as a superiority of the Japanese language. Because uh so for instance, so uh, in English you have to write mm. he says or she says. But uh in Japanese it's not necessary because uh um, if you speak something, so uh you could tell so the narrator is a uh, woman or man. So it is not necessary to Right, he says what she said, he said or she said. And Tanizaki claims that's a superiority. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's absurd. <laughs> and uh but yeah, it still exists uh, in a conversation in Japan. Hmm. It's a uh, yeah, kind of sexual harassment or something like that.
0: <laughs> you know, most uh, most of my friends um who uh, for one reason or another most most expatriates in Japan seem to be men, and most of them seem to learn Japanese from their girlfriends, and then they end up speaking a very feminine kind of Japanese. <laughs> <coughs> um, I was interested in in asking you, before we run out of time, about some specific uh, questions of, of, of influence, um, since indeed I think you have been so influenced by certain Western writers. Uh, to take two very different examples, um, the uh, your novel, which was the first published in in English, which is called A Wild Sheep Chase, which I highly recommend to all of you since it's widely available uh, at this point. Um, it strikes me as a kind of it's it's a kind of postmodern anti-thriller, if those terms aren't all mutually exclusive and collapsing in in comprehensibility. Um, it's it's a novel that seems to me to be playing with some of the conventions of of detective fiction, for instance, and and um, I, I was wondering how consciously you were playing with those conventions in in that book. I, I, I notice I notice again and again in your work um, the recurrence of of certain uh, genre writers, uh, at least references to them, like Len Dayton, Ra- yeah. Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett. Um, you really you really
1: liked those yes, those writers of yeah. <laughs> so uh as I said before so I have read many uh, detective stories when I was a teenager, and I was addicted to those books. they were so great and uh, Raymond Chandler is my hero in the 1960s. I have read um big um, i'm sorry i'm um, long goodbye, or mm. a dozen times. And, uh, yeah, I was influenced a lot from those books, because I was impressed that by the fact that the protagonist of their stories are um, very independent and living by themselves. And um, they are lonely, but looking for a um, decent life. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's um, a characteristic. um
0: Yeah, if I could could break in, Mm. it does seem to me, I, I think, I don't know if you agree, but it seems to me of of your work that I've read, that A Wild Sheep Chase is is a little bit different from your other books. And yet, your protagonist always has certain characteristics which which I find to be similar to those of the the classic Raymond Chandler hero. And um, he has to... You have to show him something. Before he'll believe it, um, w- w- was was a wild sheep chase somewhat unusual in in your move? Um, is that it? W- was that a conscious departure for you? That book?
1: Mm, I don't think that's a conscious departure. It's uh,
0: This is a book in which a, a
1: man goes looking for yeah.
0: a, a sheep. By and, the way, and a very mysterious sheep yeah. that. Um. The, the 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 sheep is the kind of missing person that that
1: informs the, the yeah. plot of the book. So um, somebody called it a uh, big sheep. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, mm, I don't I don't think that the uh, book is unusual, mm. uh, special work of mine. Mm. But uh, there are some resemblance Mm -hmm. uh, in all of my books. Um. But, uh, yeah, I think War Chess* is a very uh, Chandra-like story, a novel of mine.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Well, let me ask you about a very different um, um, writer with the same initials. Um, uh, My, one of my favorite writers and one of my mentors, for that matter, uh, Raymond Carver. Um, I mentioned a story earlier called The Wind-Up Bird and Tuesday's Woman. And this story opens with with um, with a with the protagonist, uh, again, 30-ish. Uh, he's, he's unemployed in this case, although he used to be a, um, a legal aide, I guess. Or, um, he's... Um, ironing and cooking spaghetti Um, and listening to Verdi on the radio when the phone rings. A stranger calls him on the phone. Now in outline, um, as in fact on the page, in translation at least, I read the first three paragraphs of this story and I was floored. I just thought it sounds like the opening of a Carver story. like for instance, this, um, put yourself in my shoes to take one example uh, where a fairly typical Carver anti-hero is, is vacuuming um, trying to get the cat hairs out of the sofa when the phone rings um, or he's um, doing the laundry when the doorbell rings and it's some ominous character at the door. Um, the, in, in fact, there seems to me to be uh, w- without without suggesting any direct kind of influences there seemed to me to be uh, quite a number of affinities and I kept imagining how by changing a few words I might actually make this story into a Raymond Carver story um, are you conscious of, of, of learning from Carver's work or do you think that there was uh, a sort of shared sensibility that drew you to his work when
1: you, when you first read it um you are uh, talking about that story uh, well, when the birth? I'm talking about in general um, In my, general my my, evi- yeah.
0: my evidence is that story yeah right I, have ro-
1: I have learned a lot from mr Carver so um mm, so uh, i didn't notice that that uh, the, the resemblance to his uh, story but, uh, sh- put your, well
0: put, I, um, I, I i just bring that one up in particular for those of you who know carver's work i i think you can imagine. The the scenario, yeah, you know, a, a nameless guy is sort of is sort of schlumping around the house. Um, uh, he's between jobs. You know, he's sort of fearful of intrusions from the outside world. And suddenly, there it is—an intrusion from the outside world, mm-hmm. and it proves to be very mysterious and unsettling. Yeah. In fact, in 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 your story. Yeah. Um, an anonymous woman calls and, and engages him in some very ambiguous conversation, leading to a kind of strange sexual uh, exchange. Um, it 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 simply did remind me of of, of
1: a Carver story. But uh, okay. but uh, ironing the shirt or cooking the spaghetti is what I'm doing every day.
2: <laughs>
1: so, so that's an unusual <laughs> thing to write. <laughs> and uh, somebody calls me every day so
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you get get phone calls from from women asking you about your sexual fantasies a lot no, not every day (laughs) (laughs)
1: Ah. yeah, but uh, I know that story I have translated that story so uh, he's vacuuming the room and uh, somebody calls yeah, it's a very good story
0: that's yeah, it yeah. is. But, but it seems to me kind of an archetypal Carver story. Sometimes it's the doorbell that rings. Yeah, do
1: go like? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And
0: sometimes, you know, sometimes he's just peeking out from behind yeah. the the window, afraid of who might intrude on his domestic um, squalor. But mm. um, but I couldn't help I couldn't help thinking of this, particularly knowing your your relation to
1: to his work as a translator? Mm, um, mm, I've translated um, most of Raymond Carver's stories. So um, I'm going to all of the stories. I'm going to translate all of his stories. And um, I'm translating because uh, translation is, uh, is my teacher or mentor, or a literary friend to me. So, uh, um, in that sense, um, the stories of Raymond Carver influenced me a lot, very heavily. So, I have learned a lot from him. And, uh, but, uh, when I write a story, show the story, hmm, um, I don't think about his works at all. So uh, I just think about my story. So uh, so he's... Uh, I like him. I met him once, and he's a very nice person, and uh, I respect his works. But when I wrote, when I read, when I write my story, so I just think only of myself. And, um, <coughs> yeah, I remember... He's some of his stories, very unconsciously, but... Uh, hmm.
0: I, I think that's the best way to remember <laughs> uh, other writers' works, yeah. as a writer. Um, I, I think that I've, <clears throat> I've been talking a lot about, about Western influences in, in, in your work. Um, one of the points of this evening it seems to me is to reverse the flow a little uh, Japanese writers uh, clearly are very aware of of what we are doing <clears throat> on this side of the Pacific and um, very well informed about American fiction um, about American culture uh, it seems to me only recently that that balance of trade has, has begun to be um, reversed um, that is to say we are we're terribly ignorant in this country of Japanese culture, of Japanese literature, uh, and in fact, um, it is, I think, far more accessible than than we might imagine. Uh, unless Haruki, you have some um, further thoughts here. I thought that I might take the um, the cards, um, which which presumably have your questions on them, and um, and we'll. Yeah. Scribble your final questions and pass them along up here. Are you, Haruki, are you are you, um, are you conscious of a sort of uh, trade imbalance between Japanese culture and, and, and American culture as opposed to um, uh, the real sort of manufacturing and goods trade, trade balance?
2: うん。あの、
1: そうその、あの、I would
2: like to answer your question about the uh, cultural imbalance. Uh, There are many issues rising up about this imbalance, uh, both in trade and in cultural imbalances. And what I feel here is that the uh, the people have to have pride, and the pride comes from the fact that you can express yourself freely to the other people. And when uh, a Japanese people, when Japanese people who whose materialistic uh, success is going all over the world, and then speaking to people, but they are not speaking to the people culturally, uh, verbally expressing themselves, that in turn don't give them back the feeling of pride in themselves. And that's what I feel. For example, Japanese government and different uh, various organizations are very uh, active in a prog- uh, having a programs of exchange of um, introducing Japanese kabuki and no to the rest of the world. But the, uh, this is the kabuki and no. Even though they are very excellent form of art and tradition, it belongs to the past, and uh, in spite of its excellency it is really not talking to the contemporary Japanese people. And I find myself, Nō and Kawaki, very boring, and ordinary Japanese people find it very boring, and I I don't blame uh, Westerners find it boring either. (laughs) And so what we are trying to do as contemporary writers is to try to break through this kind of a gap so that we can talk to the rest of the world with our own words, words
0: well this this leads naturally into this question there are very good questions here by the way and we'll try to get to all of them um, exporting Japanese culture sounds like a good idea but if all you have is references to McDonald's and Verdi why bother <laughs> what do you intend to export that is indeed
1: Japanese yeah, true, it is true. <laughs> yeah I, I admit it mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, but the I think you have to understand that uh, I wrote those books um, five or six years ago, and I have changed since then. So um, yeah. I don't use those things these days, <laughs> but so much. So um, it happened since I went out from Japan. And uh, when you are abroad, so um, you are thinking about Japan so um, strongly than you are inside. <coughs> so um I gave up very deal, uh, robot band these days. <laughs> so you're right.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Another question, are your
0: are your characters typical of real Japanese? That is to say, are the Western cultural icons that you use as common and as influential on the average Japanese person as they are on your on your characters I'm
1: sorry. well
0: do you see do you see your characters Haruki as being as being typical Japanese or do you think they're uh, are they
1: are they somewhat unusual characters I don't know I'm a Japanese and uh, I don't know I'm a typical uh, unusual Japanese at all so i I am myself, and uh, I don't know what I am. <laughs> I'm just I am, and uh, <laughs> so um, it's n- it's not me, so who decides that? So um, I don't know my the character of my story is uh, typical or new uh, Japanese, and uh, I don't think that's the matter. It 's just a story,
0: <laughs> but,
1: yeah, although Japan is the only country I
0: know in which people will actually ask you questions like "What time does the typical American wake up in the morning um, <laughs> a, a question which is absurd in America but not necessarily in Japan, um, i uh, Some of these questions are reminding me of, of questions that i that I wanted to ask myself since you mentioned it a moment ago. Do you think that that being an expatriate to some extent has has shaped your work, your sensibility, your idea of being Japanese?
1: Yes, um I'm Japanese and um I've been writing stories and novels in Japanese. And um I've been I have been writing about uh, Japanese people and uh, about Japanese society. So, um I have been abroad for um, three or four years. But um, I have never written about uh, foreign people or foreign countries. So um, it doesn't mean that I'm a nationalist. I'm kind of an expatriate. But um, what I'm interested in is Japan. So what is Japan? What is the Japanese people? So, um, and I think that is a very uh, interesting and uh, exciting material to describe. So, Japanese society is very uh, alive and uh, very um, exciting. So, if you're a writer, you'd find that uh, that is a very uh, interesting material. But uh, I think at this point, I'd better leave Japan. So, uh, because as a, as, a writer, yeah. as a writer, I mean, yeah. I could see that country from outside m- more clearly. Um, so, uh, many uh, foreigners um, who look at Japan from outside are um, haunted by uh, some uh, preconception, very stereotype. Preconception. So that same thing would happen to uh, Japanese who are living inside Japan. Um, and they are also, um, as well, uh, haunted by uh, stereotype preconception as a Japanese. So it's dangerous as well. So, um, as a writer, as a creator, i um, outside of Japan. It's very important to me. Another question. You mentioned
0: that Raymond Chandler's stories are about independent men living by themselves. Was this especially curious or strange to you as a young man growing up in Japan where people are all more related and tied to each other and bound by tradition. Hmm. And Ed, did this seem really strange, th- this Raymond Chandler kind of man?
1: Yeah, so uh, as you know, so Japan is a very uh, group-conscious uh, country, society. And um, so to be independent is very hard. So uh, I'm a self-employed uh, writer. And um, I've experienced a very bad time in Japan. So, for instance, uh, when I look for some apartment in Tokyo, so uh, real estate people don't trust me, because uh, I don't belong to any, any company or anywhere. So, um, it is sometimes so hard to live um, on my own. But, hmm, um, people, especially young people, um, would like to be uh, more independent by their own. But uh, it is very difficult. And uh, they are suffering from some frustration. So um, I think that's one reason that the young readers are supporting my book.
0: Okay, well then, this leads naturally to this question: What do older and more traditional Japanese critics and readers think of your work? Um, are you are you controversial among um, older guardians of the culture?
1: Oh, it's simple. They don't like me.
0: Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad yeah, it yeah, it know it know it that. things are glad things are the same in Japan. Okay, uh, <laughs> we get yeah, that. So you you said that uh, old gatekeeper yes. Ah, yeah, so yeah. <coughs> it's my term for <laughs> um, certain guardians of the culture who yeah. want to keep out things that are new. Is there a kind of generational struggle in, in, in Japanese letters?
1: Oh, yeah, of mm-hmm. course. It's um, yeah, old gatekeepers. Uh, They're just like uh, leaders of Communist Party of uh, East Europe. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they don't know anything. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> something uh, going to fall down, but uh, mm. they wouldn't trust that.
0: Well, yeah. Well, it, it makes sense. In, in Japan, in Japan, um, when, I w- I, when you want to learn a, a traditional discipline, whether it's karate or ikebana, flower arranging, or, or or painting for that matter. Um, when I tried to apprentice myself to a to a karate um, teacher, at one point he had me sweep the parking lot for two weeks before he would allow me to uh, put on the karate gi and, and exercise with the rest of the class. A friend of mine who studied cabinetry in Japan had to spend six weeks learning how to sharpen chisels. Um, he, wor- he wore down many chisels in this process before he was allowed to touch any wood. Um, I would imagine that in Japanese literature there would there would be a, a certain resentment against your your um, your popularity and your your refusal to acknowledge certain traditions uh, in Japanese literature. So you uh, so are you are you an object of attack in the
1: do I attack them?
0: No, did they, they attack you in the Japanese press,
1: yeah? Um. Mm. Uh, Uh,
2: Japanese literary world has a very strong sense of hierarchy, and you have to go from the bottom gradually up. And once you are on the top, you are the judge of the other. Uh, writer, writers, and they are the judges for the uh, o- o- various types of awards, and uh, they read each other's works and then give each other awards, but they don't really care, the young upcoming writers, what they're doing. And uh, they regard the uh, the Japanese uh, readers' uh, quality is de- uh, degrading, uh, degenerating. And uh, I believe that is a, a fallacy, but uh, that's what they believe. And uh, young writers tend to uh, be anti-establishment. Uh, I don't believe that the readers' quality is going down, but the, 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 they're changing. The quality of the readers are changing. But the older generation don't realize that. Older writers don't, gener- uh, uh, don't realize that because they live in a very closed world. They don't really know what's going on.
1: Yeah, so when I, when I made a debut as a... Uh, so they said that uh, the Japanese literature is on the decline, and uh, now they are keep saying that uh, Japanese literature is on the decline. So <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how long will <we> <laughs> last, but um, they're not on the decline; they're just changing. Yeah. So, but uh, many people don't like the change.
0: Um, to to go a little further in this area of, of Japanese tradition and, and, and newer developments uh, this question is my understanding of Japanese culture is that it has a great foundation in the natural world is this still at all true today uh, and if so does it influence your work uh, the natural world
1: natural world yeah
0: we're we thinking about cherry
1: blossoms here and so on. Uh, <laughs> not, your, not your word? Nature. N- nature. Yeah. The ra- rain, or river, <laughs> or air, or sky, or cloud, sun, moon. Yeah, I like them. <laughs> <coughs>
0: okay, this is a question that I've always wanted to answer the answer too rather do, do ears have a special significance in your work yeah, I, yes. <laughs> are, you not? are you obsessed ears. with ears yeah, yeah I like ears yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: I'd like to collect them if I could
0: <laughs> it's been done
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, 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 there's a lot of reference to particularly uh, feminine ears in, in Haruki's yeah. work yeah <laughs> um Uh, Backtracking a little bit How about animals? um, We have a question here Why do many of your stories focus on animals?
1: Why animals? Mm. I like animals Uh, I like zoos (laughs) I like cats I like dogs It's okay with you (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I like animals too, uh, d- <laughs> despite what you may have heard. <laughs> um, the, the only animal that recurrently appears
1: in my work is the ferret. I'm not sure why, but um, yeah, I like deer very much. But uh, yeah. in prison, you have to be careful. Uh, deer, so uh, so sometimes you hit a deer what, what on the road. Deer. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very dangerous. <laughs> you should be careful. <laughs> but nothing new. York.
0: <laughs> um, and there's a question here which I can't locate it to. Ah, yeah, here we go. Um, who do you wish to be like as a writer? Um, do you have two or three favorite writers?
1: Yeah, uh, my favorite writer is um, uh, Truman Capote and Scott Fitzgerald. I tra- I have translated uh, some stories of them, and uh, I like as a contemporary uh, Japanese authors. I like um, Ray Carver and uh, Joe Irving, and Tim O'Brien. Um, I have translated um, two stor- two novels of Tim O'Brien and uh, Joe Irving, "Setting Free the Bear," and all the works of Raymond Carver. I like them very much, and uh, I was uh, influenced by them very heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I like uh, Marcus and Manuel Puig. I love Manuel Puig very much, but uh, she was dead. Mm. Died. Mm.
0: One of the questions here, which I just groping for re- referred to the recurrence of, of references to the great Gatsby in Norwegian wood yeah, we yeah. We, is, is Gatsby your favorite book or? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's uh, my um, the most favorite book yeah I have read that um, 10 or 15 times and uh, I've never disappointed not a time I to translate that book uh, someday. So uh, when I am 60 years old, <laughs> it's too early for me. <laughs> it's very difficult to translate. So uh, the most difficult part is the uh, beginning. It's very difficult to translate. I have tried several times, but uh, no, I didn't, I couldn't.
0: Do you think that your um, do you think that your writing is having a, an influence on the Japanese language? Um, certainly, in the case of, of some writers, they they well, writers are, after all, the, the guardians of the language. Um, do you, are, are you conscious of of having the Japanese language in your hands as a um, being one of the people who define the way that it is used among your readers? Say. Yeah, I mean, do you think do you think that your use of Japanese
1: yeah. of of the language is, yeah. is influential? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. So um, because uh, um, I only uh, use uh, very uh, simple, easy word, no frills, no uh, roundabout. So um, people are very easily influenced by that kind of things. <laughs> Simplicity, easiness. But uh, I think simplicity is the uh, most difficult thing. So, um, so in that sense, I respect Raymond Carver. His prose is very simple, mm-hmm. very straightforward, no frills, and uh, he's very honest and very serious. So, um, do you
0: have a uh, do you have a critical term like minimalism um, in Japan? Um, uh, quite a bit is made here of Raymond Carver and other writers representing minimalism uh, a simplification a ah. reduction of but, uh, the language I
1: think uh, simplification and uh, minimalism is a different thing so uh, I like um, Raymond Carver I like uh, Tobias Wolff. Mm. or I like uh, um, of course Jay's works but uh, um, I don't know what that is mean by uh, minimalism I just uh, I just love a uh, good writing, good simple writing. That's a different thing from uh, minimalism, so-called. How do you think?
0: Well, I think I think certainly one of the one of the things that occurs to me as as you're talking is that um, the, the sense I have of your work as being a very translatable or surviving um, the terrible voyage from Japanese into English so well. Um, Perhaps has to do with with your your desire for simplicity, yeah. uh, for directness. Um, certainly, for instance, when I think of of Japanese readers um, reading *Finnegans Wake*, I, I I can't quite imagine what 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 gets through. Um, that was translated into Japanese. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Have you read it in Japanese? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wonder. I wonder, in fact, if. You know, if, if, if one of the benefits of, of, of a, a simple and direct approach to, to language, um, certainly Carver, to some extent, I think was influenced in this by Hemingway, yeah. um, it, it isn't the degree to which, um, finally, we do have um, more of a world community of letters. Um, you have suggested that you
1: are conscious of, of foreign readers. As well as your Japanese readers, uh, a little <laughs> these days. These days. These days. Since I, since I came here, and uh, since I, since my works has been uh, translated into uh, into English, so um, yes. Yeah, I think so. Well,
0: um, some of those works are available in English up front here, and um, I commend them to your attention, and I thank you very much on behalf of Penn for, uh, for coming tonight, and, um, and I would like to especially thank Mr. Murakami for making his first public appearance in America or anywhere else.
1: Thank you very much. So, so this is my first time to speak in public. In front of the audience, so I uh, I haven't done that um, even in Japan, even in Japanese. So uh, yeah, I had a good time yeah. here. That was <laughs> good. And uh, um, my a story of mine so was is was published uh, in Playboy so this month issue. So if you're interested, please <laughs> read that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Now, now I can tell my girlfriend I have. I have to buy it. Um. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And thank you for your questions as well.